0: Hello and welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, the podcast for tradesmen. Today I got a special guest. His name is Will Monzingo. Will is no stranger to this podcast. He's been a a guest. He's been a friend of mine. And uh, Will is just an awesome human, just a great lineman, great father, and I'm just so happy to have him on this podcast. Today, we're going to discuss takeaways from a recent guest we had on here. His name was Nathan Padilla. Nathan was a solid, solid podcast. So I highly recommend you fathers out there. If you haven't listened to Nathan Padilla's uh, talk about influence, a father's influence in the home, I highly suggest you guys go on there and really listen to it. I mean, there's so much information in there. I can't even fit it down and five pages. That's why we started this uh, Lyman Chronicles is to discuss these different speakers on here and put it into perspective in a a tradesman's way, in a lineman's way, or for other tradesmen out there who are listening to this, just to kind of take out the nuggets that we can use as fathers. I mean, this is what this is for. This is information, you know, a lot of times as, as a uh, lineman, as tradesmen, as fathers, we don't like to ask questions. So this is an opportunity for us to ask questions and, and listen to some of these answers out there without having to really put ourselves out there. That's why I do this with this podcast. And I just want to welcome Will Monzingo again. Will, thank you for being a part of this show, brother.
1: David, I really appreciate you having me back on here and Um, I pray that this is of value to any one person. If if one person listens to this and it helps them, then God is blessed. And I'm absolutely so thankful for everything you're doing and that God's blessing you in such a way that you're really reaching a lot of people. And this is a need. Um, and it's not just for tradesmen, but you know, everybody's got to start somewhere. And whether you're a tradesman or uh, you, you work in a restaurant or whatever it is, you're, you're a dad, you're out there, you're making it happen for your family to the best of your abilities. You know, whether you have your kids, or you don't have your kids, you're single father, uh, married, divorced, whatever. Um, this is important. Now, of course, from, you know, my point of view, it's definitely from a tradesman point of view. Mm-hmm. So that isn't a limiting factor. I don't think um, this is This is a tool. And I think a lot of times as linemen, we get stuck, tradesmen period, we get stuck in a rut. You know, we're comfortable with what we know and we stop. And I believe this from uh, Nathan Papia is is a tool. Let's let's learn to use tools that may make us a little uncomfortable. Let's use tools that initially are outside what we're thinking or, or how we react and see if it will help us grow. Because the more growth we have as men, the more growth we can have for our families, and the better servant leaders we become in our lives, our families' lives, parents even, and and also in our communities. This this has ramifications that stretch to the end of eternity.
0: Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you uh, touched base on that. There is ramifications in life and everything we do, negative and positive, and you know, I like that you touch base on that. And, you know, this is exactly what this is. This was a tool. This was set up to help the men out there who are providing for their families, who are busting their butts, who are leaving it all at the workplace and don't have enough at the home when they get home to give to their families. So let's go ahead and start Nathan Bedia, We had him on the last, uh, two podcasts, I guess it would be. Yeah. Two podcasts ago. And, uh, Nathan Medea talked a little bit about influence and he, I mean, so much information in there. Will, <laughs> I mean, I got like three pages of his stuff, you know? Yep. Same here. One of the things I thought that was really cool that he talked about was around the 17 minute Mark. He talked about making a choice between addiction to crack and his son, he had a, his son in one hand and a crack pipe in the other. And when he said that, I, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, holy smokes, this guy's legit. I mean, yeah. what a, just to see the level of addiction he was going through. I mean, I think he even spoke about his habit was feeding the monster was one ounce of Coke a day. That's a lot of bloat. I wow. mean- yeah and then not only that to top that off being homeless not having money having to hustle to feed that monster that's insane bro well and and
1: something that really stuck to me as he said a little shortly thereafter Mm -hmm. in his mind he did good for his kid you know he got his kid air jordans and so on and so forth yeah and that allowed him in his head to justify poisoning his body and his mind. Mm. And it was astounding because you know we tend to put in perspective alcohol, drugs, work, uh pornography, blah blah blah, right? Mm. The problem is it's all the same thing. It's it's first of all from a from a Christian point of view it's sin. But more importantly, it's an intrusion into our lives that keeps us from being better at anything. Our jobs, our families, our wives are in our community. It, it's, it's something that draws us away. And having him say that, you know, that he was feeding that habit, that monster, no matter what. But he was okay with it because he was only poisoning himself.
2: Mm.
1: And the fact of the matter is we forget this that not one of us has this sickness or sin to ourselves. We are truly that ripple in a pond. We have so many people that we influence and that we've been influenced by and that just meet us as acquaintances. And we forget that our problem never stays with us. Sure, we may be able to hide it for a little while but it always comes out. You know, the Bible says your sin will find you out. It will always come to the light. And that's an absolute fact.
2: Mm-hmm. And when it
1: does, we forget, we, we get so self-involved and we forget that it affects everybody and we get stuck just, Oh, poor me. Oh, it's just me. And it, uh, that's a really, that was revelatory. And, and honestly, I would like to thank Nathan for his honesty and forthrightness. I mean, He had some stuff in there that just blew my mind. I mean, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah, me too. I mean, I liked when you touched on, you know, when he was talking about those Jordans, right? And his mom asked him, well, if you love your son, why don't you stop doing drugs? And his response is exactly what you said. I bought him Jordans. I love my son. I put poison in me, not in him. And for him to see where he was at that moment, he didn't see his level. He didn't see his value as a father at that moment. He didn't see his purpose, you know, and just to see where he was then to where he is now today and and seeing when he learned about his purpose, you know, Uh, one of the things he talked about is that uh, his dad, when his dad died, right, Mm -hmm. his dad passed away that that was the catalyst for him to turn to drugs. Uh, he talked about smoking crack at the funeral. I like, what was it? Like 13, I think yeah, sixth, grade. sixth <clears throat> grade, he smoked crack with his cousins. He threw up and he asked for another hit. And right there in that moment, he knew he was hooked and he did it out of the loss of his father that's how much he loved his father that's how much he respected his father and at that moment he hated god he was just pissed off you know 13 year old he didn't he didn't know any better you know he was just angry he had just lost the most significant influential man in his life his father to where that happened it caused him to this downward spiral to where having a son he actually started to live for his son i think that's that was amazing you know what i mean when he really reached that understanding that he needed to be a better dad to give his son a better dad what do you think about that
1: well uh you, you hit on some things um he, when he talks about losing his father after they had had an argument that morning mm-hmm. feel the guilt you know and and kids and adults get hung up on the guilt yeah and 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 if, it's, it's a pathway to chaos in one's life, Mm -hmm. but also he gave kudos to his parents. You know, he talked about how great his dad was and how great his mom was and how strong they were and how they moved him out, you know, to somewhere else. They stayed in touch with their community, their family, Mm -hmm. but they tried everything they could to give their kids that better chance, you know, that, that step up. Yeah. And what do we do? That's what we do. We want to make more money. We want our our family to have better. We want them to have more. We want to live in a a good, safe neighborhood, and 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 all these things that we're doing. And we've got to remember it's the intent of the heart. It's the the connection. It's never the goods. It's always the glory. And the glory is being that present father. That father has to be there. And his dad was there, and it did. totally messed him up um i think it's really good that you know he's had enough life to look back on it mm-hmm. and and i'm sure none of this happens you know as as we go through the trials and struggles of our lives we look back over our shoulders and we learn a little bit each time
2: mm-hmm.
1: but like you said he had that realization that he had a son i've got to be better for my son and we and he said something very that's so important because He wanted to do better for his child and he was a still a struggling addict, you know, and we've got to remember, we're not perfect. No, we're not. We're not on a pedestal. In fact, most times the pedestal falls down on top of our heads. Mm -hmm. So even if we are struggling with something, whatever it is, I mean, we could sit here for an hour and talk about the things that lead men away from what they should be doing as they're calling by God for being a a husband and a father, right? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is he was an addict and he still knew. And we all know, I mean, in our heart of hearts, we're thinking doing men. We know we should be doing more. We just get stuck in our own struggles sometimes. And we've got to remember that you, you never step back. He was fighting an addiction and he was trying to raise his son by himself. And he kept at it, you know, and none of us are a complete success overnight. And mm-hmm. uh, we got to remember, failure is an opportunity to do better, plain and simple.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting that you said that. You're absolutely right. There is no such thing as mastery, especially, especially in uh, fatherhood. You know, all we can do is put in the work. It's going to be hard work. And guess what? You can get better at it. And that's what Nathan did. He put in that work. He had a purpose. He figured out what his purpose was. That was his son. He wanted to be better for his son. So he started putting these things into motion that were catalysts for him to change his life and and for the betterment, you know, for for positive. Um, I like when he talked about how his dad how his dad led by example and his dad would wake him up to go to work at five in the morning he didn't like yeah saturday mornings he didn't like it but at that time he was instilling work ethic you know we talked about that recently on another podcast with uh, andy aranda and uh, we talked about how right now our generation or not our generation but the generations that are coming up these children they don't have no work ethic they don't want to work they don't want to work hard you know and To see that Nathan saw that that was a major play in his eyes by his dad and for him to be able to see that and want to implement that into his life. You know, even though his dad was gone, he still saw that work ethic, which paralleled him to be a better dad and also allowed him to put that same work ethic into better himself and and be successful at what he's doing now, helping other people. You know, that's a beautiful thing, you know, so It's pretty cool that his dad led by example in that way. Um, I like Um, when oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: A really good on that a point on that real quick is. You know the Bible says raise them up in the the way that they should know, and they'll return to it. Mm -hmm. And that right there is a perfect example. You know he went through uh, quite a bit of his young adulthood under an an addicted under an addiction, but. He goes back and he references what he did with his father, you know? And just like you said, he didn't like it when he was that age, but he he recalls that. And Mm -hmm. I think as fathers, we've got to remember, take, take a moment, be the moment, be there in their moment, have them present with you and you be present with them. We don't know which small thing, just like that for him came back around in his life and drove him we don't know but we do owe it to our children to have those opportunities and we owe it to ourselves too Mm -hmm. because we want to be parents of adult children that are succeeding right we definitely want that and and we want to be able to not claim it all but we want to be able to have them say they remembered something like that dad this Remember Mm -hmm. dad? What about that? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's verification. And can we do it every day? No. Would we like to do it every day? Yes. Same time though. Just try to make an effort somewhere sometime. I mean, if you're on the road, you're tramping. When you come home, take a day and sit outside, you know, stay away from everybody. Get your head in the game. Stop going from work in the drive or the plane ride, coming home, walking through that door and like you said with your wife, work mode and everybody reacts to work mode. So your entire weekend or week or whatever time you're at home from being on the off the road is already predicated right there. And I know later he talks about walking away and you know, I wish someone would have told me, walk away. You know, before you go in there, you, you you get that relationship with your wife and your children and say, hey, just give me some downtime. I got to get my head right for you. Not get my head, I'm thinking right, get my head right for you. Get out of that mode of go, 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 happen, happen, happen. You know, me, 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 I, I, I. Yeah, it's, it, it's astounding, yes.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting that you said that because... I mean, the guy hit so many different points there with, you know, just, just being that intentional dad to, to being engaged, to being committed and responsible to, I mean, that's the core values that we talk about on the show up dad, right? Being engaged, being responsible and a committed father. And he put all three of those into play and he's celebrating the fruit of that with his son. Now, you know, I I liked what he talked about. He talked about, we need to know how to influence our children. And that's based off of how they're wired. Each kid is going to be different. And I, I, you know, that, that was, that really like a light bulb went off to me. I mean, I understand that they're, they're different, but the same parenting I do for my seven-year-old is going to be different from my five-year-old. And you, as fathers, being there, being intentional, being committed and responsible, you're going to see how that kid is. It's the same way back. Let's, let's take it a step further. When you have an apprentice or tradesman, or whatever, you know, you're, you're, you have someone underneath you. Okay. You kind of watch that dude, watch that kid, whatever. And you kind of see how he works. And then you kind of see how he's going to respond. You know, some kids respond better to, 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 you know, to letting them build it themselves. Some kids need to be told and, and, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm sure you've seen that as just having an apprentice of your own. You know what I mean? Some apprentices are different. That's the same thing with our kids. Our kids are different. Not each and every one are going to have the same learning patterns. And it's up to us as fathers having that influence with them, being committed, being responsible, being there and engaged with them to figure out, that level of influence to figure out how our children are wired you know
1: i agree um you know you brought up something very interesting with the apprentice thing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i was always very able to be very patient with my apprentices Mm -hmm. because i would put forth my what i expected Mm -hmm. and then i would put forth the effort to teach them but somewhere in there i got disconnected as a father when i got home I should have, honestly, you know, if you can't disconnect completely, think of your children as the most important apprentice you've ever had in your life, the most important helper you've ever had in your life. If you can take the time and patience to train them, why can't you take that time and patience to look at your children and look at their needs Mm -hmm. and look at each one? Like you said, each child is different. You don't all, there's no, this is the line. Mm-hmm. And that's where you'll all well, the three-year-old isn't going to understand it like the five-year-old, like the 10-year-old, like the 30-year-old, you know. Yeah. And that right there. And you know, that's such good advice. And you know, you trade them out there, think about that. Try to try to try to instill that. You know, I wish someone would have kicked me in the head and said, Hey, your kids are apprentices. They're looking to you
2: mm-hmm.
1: as the leader for the rest of their lives, not just to get through a trade and move on and do their own thing. You are their leader. They are your apprentices. They are the most the most fantastic, the most needy, the most gracious, the most loving. They are the best apprentice you could ever have. So if you need to put it in perspective, treat them like an apprentice. Don't, you know, some like you said, you you give them step by step. And other ones, you hand it to them and say, go for it. But you've got to learn, just like with our apprentices, to say to each of them, hey, great job. It might work a little better this way. You might want to try that next time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, as you know, an apprentice, you say, no, dude, you're going to kill yourself. Stop it. But yeah. with our kids, we are protecting them. But we've got to give them that latitude to fail and to be uplifted when they do fail not to throw down on them, not to cast eyes upon them, not to cast words upon them, but mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, that didn't work out, you yeah. know? But how about this next time? Put it in their head and let them work it out.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I, 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 as a father, spent too much time telling my kids what to do and not listening to who they were and how they were learning, how they were reacting. Mm-hmm. I treated it as one line. That's it. And it's completely a false doctrine for fatherhood. There is no one line. You can't draw lines or boxes around your kids. You've got to stand there and say, well, my oldest has a kind heart and they're more forgiving. And and you just go down the lines. And, Mm -hmm. you know, fortunately, I'm I'm given the opportunity uh, with adult children to start dealing with them as they are now. Mm -hmm. And there's going to, there's ramifications from what happened in their past with me as their father, as this uh, dictator, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're functioning adults. They're, they're hardworking, they're strong and you know, their likes and dislikes are totally different than mine. And that I think is, if I could have learned that sooner, Mm -hmm. I think I could have reveled in it even more than I do now, Mm -hmm. the individual child not the group children, the individual child and my responsibility
0: to each individual child. Hmm. That's just, that's, that's awesome that you were able to see that. Will. one of the things that I really, that really touched me is frustration. He talked about frustration. Do you remember that? Dude, that was deep, man. And I mean, I'm guilty of it myself with apprentices, with my children, you know, you get them to a point where they're so frustrated that they just want to quit. And that's not good. And then we get mad at them when you're like, what do you mean quit? What do you mean? You don't want to do this, you know? And then you start really digging in. And I, I thought it was awesome when he talked about how Dr. Henry cloud talked about the emotion of frustration and how it's needed emotion for learning. You know, and then he started talking about how when we're frustrated, we are plugging in something from our memory, something that should work, but it's not working. And that's where we get frustrated. And I see that with my kids. They've seen it done one way. They know it works one way. And then when it doesn't work and it fails to work that same way that they've already got in memory, they get frustrated and they want to throw it down and they want to throw a tantrum, right? Sometimes. And what's what's you know, what's the next thing that we do as fathers? pick that up. Don't do that. What's wrong with you? And then, you know, or you spank them, you know, and yep. that's, that's totally not okay. As no. we learned. So, but. but
1: uh, did you know that? I mean, honestly, no, were, honestly, were you, ever no. Taught that? were you ever told that? Nope. No. I mean, your kids react and it's a negative reaction, but it wasn't a negative reaction. It was them having a struggle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we
0: absolutely, um, it's it's crazy i mean honestly if you think about it they're frustrated because they they're they're learning i i never looked at it that way no you know what i mean never they are learning frustration causes you to try something else right and what does that lead to a second emotion which is anger anger usually causes you to want to do to change right to do something different because it's not working and anger causes that change. Most people don't change until they're angry enough about it, anyways. So that's what's happening when our kids are throwing these fathers, listen up, man. So when our kids are frustrated, our apprentices are frustrated, it's because it's something new to them and they're in the process of learning. So when they get angered and they start cussing and throwing stuff or whatever, I'm not, I mean, apprentices, I'm talking about cussing. Your kids shouldn't be cussing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're getting frustrated. They're showing that secondary emotion of anger, then that's going to cause them to change. That's, it's going to cause them to try something different. And that's the whole process of learning. I thought that was amazing that he touched on that. Cause I had never. Looked that at that is, uh,
1: that's, that's big for us as parents and fathers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's also big for ourselves.
0: Yep, absolutely. You
1: know? In, instead of reveling, you know, I, I was always a, a rage freak. You know, I loved my anger <laughs> and I used it as a, a driving tool. You know, I, I was, it, it's what made me focus even harder. I would get it, I would make it happen no matter what. But then when I took it to my kids, it was just anger there was no fruit to it there was no fruit whatsoever it was just anger because what drove me i was thinking it would drive them just like when you're you got an apprentice and and some respond to a, an occasional yell and a swift kick in the butt and other ones shut down they're done i mean yeah. it's over and there again you've got to, it, it's the same situation with two different groups your family are you giving them the anger or are you allowing them to have anger without you responding in anger Mm -hmm. that's that's huge i mean that is those are words that we could all use in our lives and most importantly as fathers and honestly as husbands Mm. i mean i mean he talks a lot in there about listening yeah and that was you know, to this day I'm still learning how to listen.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and, and I don't know who said it, but they had said that most people aren't listening because they're waiting for their turn to talk. Hmm. And holy mackerel, you know, you've talked about three-way communication and so on and so forth. And it sounds corny.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, you're doing it on the line, you know, you're you're taking a, a one-shot somewhere. Yeah. Or or you're doing an outage or something. And three one and three-way communication is a piece of cake. And it sounds corny to take it home. But you know what? (laughs) It works. And if it works in a high stress situation, couldn't it work even better in a low stress situation? Of course, at first, your kids are going to look at you sideways and go, what on earth is wrong with you? Your wife (laughs) is going to go, are you on crack? But at the same time, it works. I mean, the tools we do have as Mm -hmm. tradesmen that work in our trade So easily come across. That's what I noticed about Nathan is his life experiences were tools, you know, some good, some bad. But he took those tools and he put them into his life and started using them everywhere. He uses them in his counseling and everything. He uses these tools. I never once thought about using the tools I learned in my trade to take them home and use them for the same way. Hmm. For a positive way. Absolutely a positive way. It would have, I'm not going to say it wouldn't have changed the divorce or anything in my life, but I think I would have been a lot more present a lot more often Mm -hmm. if I could have learned to listen Mm -hmm. instead of demand. I could have been a better father if I could have learned sooner, quicker, earlier to listen to, to not demand, to not, you know, and as parents, sometimes you do demand and and there are ramifications, but Mm. the art of listening is huge. Oh yeah. In relationships. I mean, parental relationships, spousal relationships, work relationships,
0: man, listening, huge. Hmm. And, And not only just listening, right? Listening, you know, in one ear, out the other. Right. But really hearing, and know, and and understanding Um, intentional, intentional. Yeah, exactly. Intentional giving your spouse or your kids that moment to really let you know how they're feeling at that time. You know, I tried that the other day with my son. He was having a meltdown. Didn't understand why. And uh, instead of getting mad at him, telling him, you know, what the heck are you crying for? like I, I would have done in the past. Sure. Yeah. I I sat him down I said, okay, what's going on little man. How are you feeling? You know, what's really going on with you? How are you feeling? And just to be able to see him open up, giving him that level to be able to open up to me was amazing. Wow. Yeah. it, it, It was truly, truly amazing. This is my middle son, Lucas. And he opened up to me and he let me know that he was hurt. You know, he was hurt that, uh, You know, mama has to go to work. He was, he was upset with that. You know what I mean? That he, he didn't get to see her because the whole entire, his whole entire life, mama was home always. Daddy was always on the road and stuff like that, you know? Uh, And, and, and fortunately my wife was able to, we decided that she would get a job to help her out. That's part of her therapy for her getting better from Lyme. You know what I mean? To be yep. able to be around people and be out of the house and just kind of just socialize and get her mind off of that negativity of, of just sitting there wallowing about, you know, this thing that was attacking her her body, both physically and, and mentally. So we decided that she would get a, a job and she could be able to, you know, be out there in, in public and just try to get her mind off of things and stuff like that. Well, the kids, you weren't used to that. So he was a little bit brokenhearted, you know what I mean? So we sat there, we talked about it and I let him be able to come to me with his, his hurts and his, his, uh, questions, you know, wondering when mom was going to come home and stuff like that. And It was just amazing to be able to do that with your son. You know what I mean? Before I would have never done that. I would have shut him down big time, you know, and that's just me not being able. And I'll admit that as a man, sometimes we can't fix things. So for me, I would get angry just like he was talking about, why do we get angry? We get angry because why? Because we're frustrated because why? Because we don't know. Cause we don't know yeah. how to fix it. Right. So I was using that anger, a secondary emotion in a negative way. Instead of using it uh, that all that energy of getting angry in a positive way, I was using it as a negative way with my kid back then. You know, but now I see it as, a, as an opportunity to really engage with them and really just kind of hear them out and listen to them and give them that platform. Let them know, hey, bud, you're important to me. Go ahead and let me know what's going on. Yep. And I, I it's just amazing to see all the stuff that you can learn out there and just getting with fathers and, and, and other men like yourself, other tradesmen, other professionals, and just being able to just really bounce off ideas and and see what works for them. And then just try to, like you said, put it in your tool bag and implement it. Yep. And it's amazing. So much
1: of that. All this has to be complicated. No. And and that's the problem is, is what do we do in our job? We want to be trained and know enough to where we get to the point where it's keep it simple, stupid, right? Just Mm -hmm. like the military, keep it simple, stupid. But we make everything so complicated. We, we think we've got to do this. Now, granted, therapy and all these other things are fantastic, fantastic opportunities for any man that's struggling. Seek help. If you're a tradesman and you can't get a hold of this, seek help. You are a man if you can admit that you need help. That makes you a bigger man to admit you need help. Because if you can't do it on your own, you've got to work with someone that does know and that can help you. Mm. Just like in our jobs, if we don't know something, we've got to seek someone, you know, like the apprenticeship. You know, you learn from people that have been there and done that. Now, do we follow exactly what we learned from each person? No. What we do is we learn from multiple people and use those inputs to find the best way for it to work for us. And this is exactly the same thing. There's a million self-help books, there's a million everything, but we need to remember to keep it simple. This is not complicated. Learn to love, learn to be empathetic, learn to listen, learn to stop and walk away before you do or say something that you can't take back, you know, it's just like the internet. Once it's out there, it's always out there,
2: Hmm.
1: you know, and and just as a side note, when I was going through my divorce, Mm -hmm. my ex-wife told me verbatim stuff that I had said for our 20 plus year marriage from day one. Hmm. And we've got to remember and, and, oh, of all things, I I was really a verbal abusive person. Mm -hmm. And of all things, On top of listening and everything else, when my biggest thing now, the the one thing I've learned with listening to your podcasts and and the men on your podcast and listening to your life and and our life experiences is a lot of times I bite my tongue, I shut up, because my first response is to react. And part of it's training and, and, and part of it's just my personality. And as fathers, just like you did, instead of freaking out, you, 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 you put yourself at your son's level, you talk to him, and then you waited for him to respond. We don't, we forget that their emotions are a lot more raw than ours. We've had time to step back and polish ourselves. You know, I've, I've always been guilty of two faces i have a public face and a private face mm. and and my public face was polished man i got it down i'm and and my private face it's a disaster and it's because i never learned to shut up to listen and to not make it about myself mm. and um you know you're very fortunate that your children are of an age that you're able to reach them and start re- rebonding yes and we and we need to remind all these men out there, no matter what your trade is, whatever you're doing, even if you're at whatever it is in your life, you're a father. And if you're not a father, you're going to be a father. And if you're not that, you've got a father. If he's still around, praise you. Mm-hmm. But we need to become the men that we are both private and public. We need to live both. There's no two sides of life. There's one person, one life, and we need to be the best in all of it. And first and foremost, to our children and our spouses.
0: And I think that being that best, you know, a lot of people might say that sounds selfish, but in reality, it's not. And I I attribute that to the airplane effect, I call it, right? With that being said, the airplane effect is when you go on an airplane, what's the first thing they say? You got to put on your mask first before you're gonna help out your loved ones, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Isn't that what they say? Okay, no that, yeah. you, you can't know? help
1: anybody if you if you're already
0: down. Exactly. Yep. So take care of yourself, and that I mean that goes emotionally, spiritually, physically. Yep, you know what I mean? And let's just tie let's go even a little deeper, Will. Let's tie that into I'll go ahead and use my brother as an example. God rest his soul. He passed away in October. I mean, this guy was pinnacle of health. I mean, he's probably the strongest man I've ever met. And you know my background, Will, You know, yep. just being a lineman in the military and stuff like that. I've met some strong people and this kid was strong. But that being said, we found out that he had significant heart disease. Nothing that he ever thought. He never complained about you know, tightness in the chest, he never complained that he had, you know, he couldn't breathe or anything like that. He never had any pains radiating down his left arm. None of the symptoms that you would think, you know, he never, and he never went to the doctor. He's one of those guys, like every lineman. I mean, I don't even go to the doctor unless it's like, bro. I mean, I fell off my roof and broke my leg and I went to the doctor and they're like, how are you walking? Your leg's broken. And I'm like, well, it don't hurt. You know, I'm one of them dudes that if it ain't sticking out of your skin and poking you in the eye, like a Chinese spare rib, you don't go to the doctor. You know what I mean? With that being said,
1: you better be on your deathbed.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And And with that being said, the point I'm trying to make here, Will, is that we need to start taking care of ourselves. I mean, we need to start making them checks. We need to start going to the doctors, start seeing what's going on. My little brother, we thought he was perfectly healthy. He passed away at 38 years old, the day before his birthday. Killed a bull elk, overexerted himself. And because of this underlying condition that no one knew of, heart disease, his, his, he had a massive heart attack. His heart exploded in his chest. You know, he left three daughters. Yeah. Youngest one, two. Uh you know, and and it's heartbreaking. And and the reason why I say this is not to get sympathy from anybody or anything like that. The reason why I say it is because it's a big deal. Now we're having to pick up the pieces for him. Now, both my dad and I are both having to be the fathers that to his daughters that they're not going to have. Their dad is gone. He's never going to show up. You know, we talk about the show up, dad showing up, you know, He's yep. never, he's, he's, he's a guy who he's a father who's never going to be able to show up. He's a father who's not going to be able to walk his daughters down that aisle when they get married, yep. you know, and it's simply because I'm macho, nothing bothers me. I don't get sick. I don't go to the doctor. I don't need to go to the doctor. I can't get off work. I got to work. I got to support my kids. Yep. All these things that we put first and we think we're doing our families a great service. Yeah. But we're not. We're not, we're, we're, we're playing and we're playing like we are, but we're really not, you know, we're being selfish and it goes back to that theory. Like I said about the mask, take care of yourself first because you're not going to be good for your families. If you're six feet in the ground. You're not going to be good for your families when you're not around. And anyway. well,
1: thank you for bringing that up because uh, too many times when when we've had these podcasts, you know, I focus on on the things that are near and dear to my heart. You know, the listening, the empathy, you know, the, the showing love and things like that. But you're absolutely right, and you, and you, I've heard you stress it over and over. Um, your physical health. Mm-hmm. Is as important as your mental health. Those two are tied together and linked mm-hmm. forever, physiologically. And if it, it's plain and simple, if you're sick, your mind isn't good. If you're bodily sick, your mind isn't good. Um, we, that is, ridiculously important. Um, I know as trades, as tradesmen, uh, linemen have a pretty pretty decent diet at least the time when I came up we had uh alcohol and uh any other thing but you know (laughs) it it was you know that was quite the diet yeah um and honestly it was as detrimental physically as it is mentally and I'm not picking on anybody that drinks you know I'm not Mm -hmm. picking on anybody that has anything but just like you said it you know it's a set we work. You know what my excuse always was? I have a physical job. I work all day, 10, 12 hours a day. I don't need to exercise. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Exercise can be as simple as something that can be incorporated into your family. Let's go walk around the park together. Exactly. You know, it doesn't cost a single thing. All it costs is time and it's time that is so valuable. You wanna put a dollar sign on something? Go for a walk with your children at the end of a day, a long, hard day, <laughs> and let them dance around you and be exuberant and hold your hand and yell at you and do cartwheels and everything. And you tell me how much that is worth. There isn't enough money on earth.
0: Hmm. Man, that's a good point, brother. That was a really good point. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it's our job to teach them. It's our job to help Build successful adults, not how to, you know, not to teach them how to stay as a dependent child the rest of their life. And I think we're seeing that in society, you know, there's 30 year old sons now that are in their mom and dad's basement, you know, addicted to pornography, playing video games all day, wearing, you know, skinny jeans, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And, <laughs> and they're not, they're not leaving their homes. They've lost their inclination to want to be father's. And it's it's kind of sad to say it's, you know, but society has kind of emasculated them, you know. Go I ahead. mean, look, look how many times we see. I'm sorry to interrupt you, brother, but look how many times go, go we ahead. see. Uh, prime example: Homer Simpson. He's a father, yeah. and he's he's an oaf. You know, yeah. that's just an example of what what television what being shows fed, are what, being what, fed. what kids are being fed. Exactly, uh, and, and young adults, and mm-hmm. and middle
1: aged adults. Uh, you said it perfectly. God put us together to be a husband first and a father second. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's God's. He put this together. The first thing He put on earth, the first organ organization of all, was marriage, mm-hmm. and what followed being a father, being a parent. It, it, it and you're right. We we're we've emasculated these young men um, and and we've done it socially and and Nathan brought it up he said you know their peers from seven to 30 are the ones that are most influential on their lives mm-hmm. and he's absolutely right so would and and this this comes to another point that he brought up that was so powerful as he was making time for his son, he got where he and his son could communicate, you know, mm-hmm. a Saturday. They took a Saturday and they spent that time together, got something to eat, watched a movie. Mm-hmm. But then he started inviting his son's friends. Yeah, I like that. And, and we've got and, and I've never I never thought about that as, as a father to a, a boy or a girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We not only need to be involved in their lives, but we need to know who they're involved with in their lives. Hmm. And we have the power to influence those people who are influencing them for most of their lives, for most of the hours of the day.
0: Hmm. I like that, you know, and just to touch on that, my old, you know, just giving my old man props. You know, he used to always tell me, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And he made it a point to make sure to see who my kid, my, my friends were, who I was coming, you know, who was coming around my house. I'm not going to say any names, but uh, I had this one kid that would come over my house. My dad, for whatever reason, you know, your, your father, you know, you you see a bad egg, you, you, know, you pick up on a bad vibe, whatever. And my dad must've had this intuition and he straight up told me, I don't want that kid at my house. Every time he comes here, he's scoping out your house. He's like, I don't want him here. He's going to wind up dead or in prison. You know, needless to say, the guy wound up dead and in prison. He actually died going into prison. Uh, he was smuggling a balloon. You know, he keistered it and was smuggling it into prison and the balloon popped and he died, overdosed. You know, so that's how much influence my father had on me. Just him telling me to watch out for those kids and him being intentional and being like, Hey, I want to see your friends, bring them over here. You know what I mean? Let's, let's go chop wood. Let's go shoot. You know, cause that's what we did. We were very rambunctious. My father, yes. you know, he didn't take us to like, he didn't take us to the park and all that stuff. My dad was the dad who took us to the mountains. He took us fishing. He yes. took us hunting. We, we picked up bills, we fixed fences and that's what we did. And all the kids around, they didn't have fathers who did that so they thought it was really cool and I thought it was really cool too because now they wanted to hang out with my dad and I'm you know as a kid you don't think your dad's cool I know I did <laughs> I wanted to hang out with the girls chase after the girls and stuff like that I wanted to you know who wants to go to the ranch and pick up 1800 bills hot sweaty summer I didn't I you know I had a branding truck I wanted to go chase after the girls you know but as soon as my dad started saying invite your friends you know Bring them over. I'm like, oh, they're not going to want to do this. Heck no, dude. I have four or five dudes right away. Hey, yeah, we want to go pick up bales. We can go fishing afterwards. I'm like, really? Like, yeah, that's (laughs) cool. Okay. You know, so just being that intentional father and just really caring for who you hang around with and and seeing, being intentional and seeing with who your kids are hanging around with is, is definitely a must like Nathan talked about.
1: Yes. He, he did touch on that. And, and one of the things I really highlighted was bad company. Yes. You know, corrupts good and, character. And the Bible, the Bible talks about it also. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if from a Christian point of view, you don't go into a bar to save drunks. No, because what happens? You join the crowd, you mm-hmm. become a drunk, you know, and it, we're, we're humans that want to be communal. We want to get together mm-hmm. and, we, if we're as fathers we need to be intentional with our children so we can see the kids they're around but we also got to be very aware we don't put on the old rose-colored glasses and say my children are perfect I've known a lot of parents like that yeah and of course I was the exact opposite I made sure my kids weren't causing any the cause of the trouble when I was growing up the kids mm. that hung around with me their parents knew I was the problem child <laughs> so we've got to be aware of that as pa- as fathers and as, as parents we've got to be aware and, and that right there comes back to being involved yes. in, and listening and, and, and paying attention, watching to make sure that our kids aren't the ones leading other kids astray, mm-hmm. you know, because that puts it in front row for us. We need to straighten up. You know, one of the things that he said that really blew my mind was when his son was acting out. He's like he tells his, his uh, clients in counseling, the first thing he needs to ask himself is, did my kid learn that from me?
2: Hmm.
1: Oh, oh mercy, that yeah, that was a ooh, that was a tough one for me, man. Because <laughs> my children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all of my daughters have traits just like me. And they're not real positive traits, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean. So exactly, and and it goes right back to that. If your father said, "Let me let me know your friends, and I'll know who you are," Mm -hmm. and yeah, as fathers, we best be engaged to know everything about our children, you know. And they they do have to have their own privacy. Yeah, but they have their whole lives to have a private life. Our job is to make sure that we give them the
0: opportunity to be the best person they can be as they step out into their life. Mm. Yeah, I, I once heard it said that, in fact, Nathan said this and I thought it was really awesome. He said it's not our jobs as parents to make our children happy, but it is our jobs to provide the area, the atmosphere for the happiness to take place. Man. Yeah, that was deep.
1: Ridiculously true. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to KISS. How hard is it? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've, we've got to as, as fathers. And and this really was brought forward to me by Nathan was even though he had failings in his personal life, Mm -hmm. he strove to be there for his son. And it's never too late. I mean, it's never too late, even if they're adults and there's, you know what, reach out, Mm. take the time. If they don't respond, don't be offended, you know, Mm -hmm. because even if you do a a text, a a video chat, whatever, those are that still as a father, your influence never stops, never. And and whether it's positive or negative, you can still turn it around because you can still add net positive things to negative situations. They have a lot of negative memories, but you can add positive back to it. You know, tell them, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm glad you're doing that. I fully support you. You're going to be great at it. You know, as adults, I think if if, if we as parents, we, I, I as a parent mm. had failed as a father when they were young, it's more important for me now to be a father as they are learning to be young adults mm. and to help them. As my oldest is become, as as they become parents, to help them overcome the obstacles I could not. Mm. So we get a chance to be a father till our dying day, Mm. and and we pray to the Lord that it it, it's old and a ripe age, so that we can live long enough to be a problem to our children. Mm. I mean, that's awesome. is isn't that what we all want? You know, (laughs) pain in the butt.
2: Yeah, but
1: it's so true. We we. We think fatherhood ends when they leave outside that that door. We are never let off the hook. No. And the sooner we recognize as fathers, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, one of the things (laughs) Nathan said that really cracked me up, and it's so true, is if I use my past, it becomes a learning weapon. But it's no good if someone uses my past against me. So isn't it? better for us to get out ahead of our past and use it as a teaching Hmm. and as a learning weapon to help our children because we are always going to be fathers always
0: Hmm. that's interesting that you said that we're always going to be fathers uh one of our our guests that we haven't aired that podcast yet it's coming up this week but uh steven poulter he's a a licensed clinical physician or he's an actual doctor right and uh highly successful wrote Tremendous amount of books. And anyway, the point I'm getting at is he talked about you are a dad for life. Oh, amen. You amen. are a dad for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And once he said that, and another one of the things that he talked about, what are your kids going to say at your funeral? What are your kids going to say at your funeral when you when you pass away? Oh. Yeah. Ouch. Hmm. Are they going to say that you're a loving father, an accepting father, an understanding father, one who provided stability, or are they going to say, "Oh, yeah, that guy, man, I'm glad he's gone." You know, what did he leave us? Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it's good to have that emotional connection with our children. We have to, you know what I mean? Um, boys, right? I've been told that boys need boundaries which will lead into a relationship with them, okay? Girls are completely opposite. Girls need a relationship before you can have boundaries for them. So you need to establish a relationship with them. And one of the things Nathan talked about, and I've been utilizing this even with my wife, is taking Post-its. Amen, I was, yeah. Taking Post-its and putting, you know, for my daughter, I, I did it for my wife, you know writing down words of affirmation and just putting it where they can see it and it might sound corny or whatever but at the end of the day we're trying to raise healthy young adults i don't want a, a, a daughter who's going into her 20s and 30s seeking help because of something i created I, that i did or boys and girls you know or, or my sons right
2: yep.
0: so we can look at this and be like oh that's corny." post-its who has time for that i'm a, I'm a lineman or whatever but at the end of the day who cares we're trying you know the goal is to raise these healthy young adults
1: well you know harry chapin has that song about his him working and his son he comes home and his son says hey dad you know can we play later later son later And then he gets into his old age and he calls his son and said, hey, can you come by and visit? Can I come by and visit? And son says, nah, dad, I'm too busy. Wow. You know, at some point, we're going to get to the point in our our lives where we want to be around our kids and our grandkids and our our great grandkids. Mm -hmm. We should be aspiring to work harder now so that we can be there for them and that they can be there
0: for us. Wow. Yeah, it's a reciprocal. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 deep, brother. One of the things I wanted to say, man that really struck me hard is when Nathan talked about let's go back to daughters, okay? He talked about how dads are idols to their children, right? Said they're that they're providers, they got to be there, they got to be solid, right? And then he talked about how daughters get to their teenage years Tads who don't know how to communicate who haven't built up that relationship right when they're young go in the opposite of directions when they're directions from their teenage daughters once they get to the teenage years you can't wrestle with them like you did when they were younger because they're developing and stuff like that right so now you don't even know how to mess with them you know they're developed they're they're becoming young women and you don't have those communication skills there because why you didn't implement that, that into your program. You didn't take the time to, to, to figure out what they like, you know, what's their favorite color. You know, that's one of the things I always ask some of my fathers, what do you know about your children? What's your child's favorite color? What's her favorite song? What's her favorite movie? Dude, they look at me like a, You know, not to put them down or nothing like that. Some of them get that, that look like apprentice gives you when you tell them to go pick out a tool and they look at you like a cow looks at a brand new cattle guard. You know what I mean? They're like, Oh, you know what? "What?" (laughs) And it's true. And I mean, I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, once someone asked me that, I'm like, what do you mean? My daughter's favorite color. I know she likes horses, but I don't know. I don't know her favorite color, you know? And it's just little simple questions like that that we need to, to make the time. One of the past guests that we had on here was a hostage negotiator. He's an ex-police uh, ex, uh, officer from California. He was a hostage negotiator and he touched base on how to communicate with, your, ch- with your, your children. And one of the things he talked about was being able to create that time using open-ended questions yes. to create a dialogue to gain their trust so that they actually want to talk to you. They're not so closed. And I thought that was really important. I, I thought that was uh, oh, yeah. awesome that Nathan was able to co- It's cool that we do this podcast Will, Cause we get to see different aspects. I mean, we've had hostage negotiators here. We've had linemen on here. We've had a plumber on here. We've had, uh, you know, a uh, professionals on here like Nathan and then uh, Steve Poulter, Dr. Steve Poulter, who's gonna be on later on this week. And I mean it's it's so awesome that we get to get these people as guests on here. We get to use their information and put it together and just bring it out to these fathers. Sure. You know, sure. and hopefully they can just take it for what it's worth, take what they need, glean it, you know, whatever they don't need, a little quick. And it's yep. taking to put in your arsenal. And I, and that's the whole point of this podcast is to help fathers out. You know, and what is probably one of the most significant things that you got out of this podcast that Nathan had? I know there are so many different relevant points he made that were just unbelievable. But what was the number one thing that you saw? that really stuck to you, that really resonated with you, that really just grasped you by your heritage, uh, chin, chin, chin. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um,
1: that he learned to serve others. Hmm. And he started with, with trying to be the best father he could. And it, it, it he kept morphing he kept changing because he wanted to to be that for his son he wanted to make sure that like he said I want to set a bar if my son's going to follow in my footsteps I'm going to set the bar so high mm-hmm. that he's always gonna have to work at it you know mm-hmm. but the fact that he from where he started and how it started and how even he'd he'd, he'd fall back he take a step back, you know, like he said, God took him out of a situation to give him time to mm-hmm. wake him up so that he could follow forth as the as as the father, as as the leader.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: where he is now as, as a counselor, the fact that it it just it hits me so strongly that when you can serve others, you know, if you can serve your children and you can serve your wife, and I'm not talking about being subservient, that's totally a different thing. That is that's not even the same thing, but learning to serve them lovingly and be there for them and, and to hear them. Mm-hmm. And God takes that and moves it everywhere in your life. It, that influence starts there and you learn to serve there and it takes it into your personal life outside of your home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes it into your personal life as you walk into a grocery store you know, strangers will come up and want to approach you and just have a conversation with you. When he talks and and his whole journey, everybody has to listen to it. His journey from where he was in a very, very prideful, self-indulgent lifestyle. I mean, honestly, that's what it was, was pride and self-indulgent to being the servant he is today. And and what uh, amazes me is how much, how humble he is about being a servant Mm -hmm. and how much it comes across that he loves it. And, and that's what struck me is his, his journey took him to where we should all start. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and his path was long and wide. And some of our paths are long and wide and some are deep and dark. And some are, you know, some people get, get ahead of the game. You're, you're ahead of the game, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and praise God for that. But yeah, just learning to be a servant, you know, learning to Mm -hmm. be what God called us to be. I mean, at the end of the day, what is a father? He's a servant Mm -hmm. to the needs of others that are more important than himself, but not to use their good as an excuse for him to check out.
0: Hmm. I like that. That's awesome that you touched on that. I never thought of it that way. Hmm. Yeah, one of the things that, Nathan touched on was feelings come and go, right? And he uses Dr. Carolyn Leaf's belief on think, feel, choose, okay? You got to think about your goal and your outcome will produce those positive feelings. If you start feeling first, it throws it all out of whack. You can't go off of your feelings, how you feel that day, because then it's just going to be a a mess. So you got to take that opportunity to step back Look at it. Don't be angry. Right. Step back. And I mean, this even goes back to utilizing this in a form of discipline. You know, don't discipline your children when you're angry. Step back. back. You know, think about it, feel it and then choose. Choose those consequences. You know, let them our goal is to guide them. To guide them to see that, hey, this is not the right path. This is what's going to happen. You keep going down this path, you know, smoking, you know, one of the things he talked about is he was an example. He used to smoke a lot. That was one of his vices that he went yeah. to and he was smoking Well, his kid picked up smoking. Well, he said that he felt like an idiot or, you know, those are his exact words. But, you know, he, he felt kind of weird telling his kid not to smoke when he smoked. Mm hmm. You know, but he started saying, "Okay, well, you know, I don't smoke any anymore now. One of the reasons is because they're showing that I had heart damage. You know, it's probably from the drugs as well. You know, yep. but he's like, I don't smoke anymore. He's like, and these are the consequences of smoke. If you continue smoking, these are the consequences that can that could possibly happen to you. Are you willing to do it? And if you, if you're cool with that, go ahead, continue. You know, but I think yep. it's our job as parents to." Lay out those consequences and then let them make a decision. We should have been able to influence them enough in their life to where they're going to pick a positive decision, a positive outcome, and which will eventually lead into a, a positive outcome for them, a victory. You know, and I think that's what we need to do as fathers is be able to influence our children to be able to make those correct decisions, you know, Uh, That was my biggest take. Yeah. That was, that was, that was my biggest takeaway from him. I mean, there, like I said, there's so many different points that he touched base on. I, you know, and for you guys listening out there, if you haven't listened to the influence of a father with Nathan Padilla, I mean, it's such a powerful, powerful story. I mean, you're going to be blessed from it. I know we were, and everybody else who's listened to it was just like blown away about his struggles and how he turned his life a true rags to riches. I mean, the guy didn't come from being poor. I mean, his choices led him to be poor and on the street to where he was able to overcome all that mess and damage he had created in his life by a void that had happened to him by him losing his father and being angry to being for him becoming a father. And wanting to live for his kids. You know, I talked about this on several podcasts. A lot of fathers will say, I will die for my family. I will die for my kids. Well, Nathan Padilla chose to live for his son.
1: Amen. Amen. That's absolutely the truth. And and he lived it out.
0: He yeah. didn't just
1: choose that. He followed through, mm. you know. And, yeah. and like you keep saying, part of doing the work is the follow through you know, Mm -hmm. and you don't, being a man, we we forget this, you know, we can beat our chests and you know, all this other crap we do as men that is so ridiculous and fun. But we got to remember being a man is being the ever-present leader. And being a leader is whether you like it or not. Hmm. You don't get an option. You don't get to step back from being a man. You are a man and you need to remember that with that comes consequences.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that was deep, brother. <laughs> There's consequences to everything we do, man. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Will. Positive. Consequences. Exactly. Make them positive. Well, Will, thank you once again for being on this podcast, brother. I know that uh, it's going to help a tremendous amount of people. Your podcast podcast. For you guys who are listening right now, if you haven't heard Lineman Chronicles Volume 1 with Will Monzingo, it's my special guest on tonight. You guys are, you don't know what you're missing. I mean, that was such a solid, positive podcast that he put together. and He, he really opened up and he dove deep into some of his personal demons that he had to deal with and to, to, to being that engaged father that he is today. And by no means is he perfect. None of us are. But he's putting in that work and he's making forth that effort to be that engaged, committed, responsible father. With that being said, Will, do you have anything to, to add to this podcast before we end it, bud?
1: Well, David, I just want to continually uplift you to the, in prayer and for what you're doing for all the men that listen to this. Um, anything you do for the glory of God does not return void. Mm. And also uh, I lift up in prayer, uh, whether you believe or not, I lift all you men up that listen and all you men that listen and, and share it with somebody else that you, just like David said, you take one piece of one podcast and you work it and you use it and you use it to the glory of your family and in the, ultimately to the glory of God. And hmm. David, just keep doing what you're doing, brother, because it is impactful. It is impactful. And, and you're living it as you're, you're learning it, as you're teaching it. And I don't think we could ask for a better example than that.
0: Well, amen, brother. Thank you for all the words of affirmation, bro. I mean, truly needed, especially during this time, you know, um, it's just something that was put on my heart. It was solidified, you know, with, with my brother passing. And then even before that, with, you know, my story with my wife and her almost passing in 2018. So I'm just moving forward with this. You know, uh, we've got a tremendous amount of success, a uh, tremendous amount of uh, people supporting us right now. Uh, Line 1-1 one one is one of our uh, supporters, big-time supporter, uh, Gene Glaudman, another journeyman lineman. He's uh, totally just helping us any, any which way possible, and we, we thank him for that. And uh, I just want to thank you, brother, for coming on here, and we'll go ahead and end with that. And, uh, man, have a good night, brother. You too. God bless. God bless.